Hi there, I'm Maddie and I serve on the Joy Production team. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Through taking the time to listen to this message, we pray you'll not only come to know more about God, but you'll come to know more about yourself as well. Once again, thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy today's message. I have a message that I wanted to share with you. Called, I'm calling it Inside Out. It'll become evident why I'm calling it Inside Out in just a few moments. But before I get to that and some of the other important stuff, um, last Sunday was one of those Sundays that for me personally, and I'll just be honest with you, over the last several months, it's been some of the most physically exhaust, exhausting, you know, emotionally, man, difficult and, and spiritually challenging times that we've had, I've had in ministry, and last Sunday was one of those Sundays where the past and the future kind of came together in the present, and, um, you know, Joy, you rocked, and, and, and the, the, the spirit that was in this place, the energy, the life, the joy, the excitement was just incredible, and this week is, as uh, I was just sort of reflecting on last week, and if you weren't here um, last week, I'm not sure that the online experience will capture it, I, I would encourage you to go and, and to just listen and, and, and be a part of of really what I believe God is doing in this next season of ministry here at Joy. And uh, as I was reflecting on this, on this last week and, and really the last several months um, of, of life at Joy and all those different things, I was reminded of the scripture that we really kind of began this church with. There were two scriptures, and one was in 1 John 3 that I mentioned last week, and then this second one in Acts chapter 8. And um, the book of Acts is called... Acts because the apostles acted. It was the church in action. And, and something happened. There was a, one of the disciples, actually one of the early converts to Christianity. Um, his name was Philip. And the Bible says that he went to the city of Samaria. And he began to preach Christ to those people that were all around that area. And something happened in that city. And if you read through the verses, it says that the people began to respond to the message of Jesus. Began to respond to this message. And that's all that there was in the early church. There wasn't a building. There wasn't a, a cross. There wasn't a steeple. There wasn't any other kind of the things that we would associate with church. There was a simple message. It, it, was, it, it really just had one point to it. Jesus, who was sent from his father God, came to this earth because of God's great love. And he died on the cross and his blood was shed. And his blood was shed so that you and I could be forgiven, that we could be accepted into the family of God, into the kingdom of God. And it says that the people responded to that message. They, 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 they embraced the idea that God's son paid a price that they couldn't pay. And then it says in that eighth verse that there was great joy in the city. So the gospel was preached, Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus crucified, died, buried, resurrected was the message of the day. That message was preached, people responded, and the result was great joy. And last week when we closed with that song, God is good, and there was such joy, I just, I just began, it just began to bubble up in me that we are so close to seeing the fulfillment of that, to, to seeing God do something in our lives and, and, and in the life of this church to this degree. And, and, and I've kind of distilled down over the years, I've said this often, that vision is like the headlights on a car. And, and that, the, 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 you know, when, you, when you're just sitting still, the headlights will only illuminate so much. But as you begin to engage it, put it in drive, begin to go forward, the light continues to reveal more and more. And that's how vision is. Vision is like the headlights on a car. And, and many times what we end up doing in our personal lives is we want God to show us the end before we're ever going to put it in drive and begin to go. But the Bible says we're to walk by faith, not by sight. Amen? 
And we're to walk in the light that we have. And so as we're given that light, we take a step. We're given more light and we take a step. We're given more light and we take a step. And so over the years, I've kind of distilled something in my heart. And I've said it like this. I have three great goals, three great desires. Number one, and this is the heart of this church, I want us to... Help people that are lost, people that don't know. I want people to know God. I want them to know God. And that is number one. I don't want them to know doctrine or religion. I, I want them to know God. I want to know that he's, I want people to know how good he is and how head over heels in love with people that he is. And that God sent his son Jesus and he died for us. Before we were ever good, before we were ever lovely, before we had ever done anything worthy of his death, he already paid the price for us. And I want people to know God. I want people to know that, that, that he is a God of peace and love and joy and power. And secondly, I want those who begin to know God, those who were lost, who were far from God, who take steps closer to God, I want them to, I want them to become fully developed, fully disciplined followers of Christ. I want them to get past the hurts and the habits and the hang-ups of their life. I want them to discover freedom. And I want them to understand that God has a purpose for their life that he wants them to fulfill. He had a purpose for you and a purpose for me before the foundations of this earth. Before you were ever born, God had a plan. And since you don't qualify you, you and your past and your life can't disqualify you because God is the qualifier. And number three, I want to have a blast while I'm doing the first two. I just want to have a good time. That sounds a little bit weird in church because what have we been taught about church? Well, I'm going to church. I'm a Christian. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do the other. I can't do anything because I'm a Christian. Man, you don't have to get a hangover. You don't have to wonder where all your money went. I mean, you, there's a whole lot of stuff that following Jesus actually is kind of good. Praise God. You'll actually remember things. There's about 18 months of my life I really don't remember much of. <laughs> oh, but I want to have a good time. And, and, and so really, for me, this is, this is what I believe. I believe that God has collectively called us together here in central Minnesota so we can make a difference right here. I'll say it again. I am a branch manager of a worldwide organization whose goal is global domination. God has put us right here in central Minnesota. Yes, Africa is important. Asia is important. South, South America is important. Those are all important places. But God has put us right here in order for you and me to make a difference. And so we as a church, me as a pastor, we have a very, very simple belief. And that simple belief is that if we would preach Christ effectively, if we would preach, preach Christ in a way that he could fully be made known and give people the opportunity to respond to that message, to respond to that life, that there would be great joy in our city. Every single one of each and every one of you, all of God's children, together, praise God, are deposits. We have deposits of joy on the inside of us that we should bring to the world that we go into. When we talk about joy to the world, it's far more than a giving initiative. It is far more than an offering we do once a year. For me, joy to the world is this body of Christ mobilized, this body of Christ. We're, we're not looking for a move of God. We are the move of God. Amen. I'm going to say that again because I kind of like that. We're not looking for a move of God. We're not praying for a move of God. We're not asking God for a move of God. We are the move of God. And until we move 
Ain't nothing going to happen. I don't care how much you pray. Just a thought. That's normally for second service people, but you're here. (laughs) And so we're first service people. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I think some of you are inside out. I think some of you may remember this little nursery rhyme. I don't know if it's a nursery rhyme or not, but here's the doors. And then what do you do? One more time. Is it really? This is the church? I thought it, this is the doors. So that means the rest of my message is wrong. <laughs> How many of you are familiar with that? You've heard that before. All right, most of you have. Here's the, here's the church. And, and there's like a second verse, something about here's the parson. He's going up to pray or something like that. Anybody know that part? Me either. All right, but anyway, <laughs> actually, I just read it somewhere. There actually is. You can Google it. It's there. Because uh, anyway, meanwhile, <laughs> inside out. Um, here, here's, for me, I believe this. Your, your seat is assigned today. If you're here today, if you're filling a seat, you are here today because the Holy Spirit wants you here. And the Holy Spirit is the agency by which, and the church is the agency by which the Holy Spirit empowers people to be the church. And so there's some thoughts that I have for you this morning because, again, as I said, your seat is assigned. You're here for a reason. And part of the reason that you are here is you are here to be recharged. You're here to be refreshed. You're here to be encouraged. You're here to be inspired. But you're also here to be redeployed. You're also here to be sent out. You're also here to be joy to the world in our life. And this morning right now, hundreds of cars have gone by this building. And people perhaps have looked at the parking lot and said, oh, isn't that nice? All of the church people are at church today because it's raining and there's nothing else to do. (laughs) No, (laughs) I don't either. You're here because you love Jesus, amen? Amen, Amen. (laughs) exactly. But here's the point. People drive by and say, oh, look, isn't it nice that all the church people are are, are in church? They're, they're, They're actively doing it. Actually, they're probably not even thinking about it. They're not even thinking about why you're here. But I want to make a point this morning that I've I've said before is that if we've ever left the impression as a church or as a movement of God, if we've ever left the impression that church is for church people, then we have missed the point. We've missed the mark. How many of you are glad that church is just for people people? Amen. How many of you were ever a people person? I mean, a people people before you ever got perfect like you are now. You needed Jesus, didn't you? You needed the word of God to make a difference in your life. You needed to find freedom in your life, and you've taken steps perhaps to discover the purpose that God has for you. And and when we begin to do those things, it brings fulfillment and joy into our lives. And so church is not just for church people. It's for people people. It is for people who are lost. It is for people who are broken. It is for people who who feel so marginalized, who feel like they're not good enough, that they don't measure up. Church is for people who are wondering, there has to be more to this life than this life. Is there something more? Is there something that I'm missing? Because there's emptiness. And there are people who drive by this church, who drive by what we are doing right now with massive problems in their life, perhaps thinking about divorce or suicide or whatever it might be. And as they drive by, they don't think there's anything in here that is relevant or worthwhile for 
their lives. And part of that is because sometimes we confuse church with a building. Sometimes we confuse the church with a church building. Let me read something to you this morning. Uh, This is a study that was done a few years ago by the Pew Research Center. And basically, they, as they did, did surveys, they found that almost 25% of Americans, about almost 60 million people, were not identifying or not self-identifying as Christians. They checked the box, none of the above. And perhaps you've heard people say, well, I'm spiritual, I just don't believe like you believe, or I'm spiritual, but I just don't believe in some of those. I believe there's something spiritual out there but I'm not going to take the time to figure out which one it is because kind of they're all equal. They're all the same. And it doesn't matter if your God is God and Jesus or if it's a Buddha or if it's a tree, if it's some Native American kind of a thing or some far Eastern thing because they're all kind of equal. It doesn't really matter what we do or what we believe. It's just important that we believe in something. Anybody ever heard anything like that? First of all, can I tell you lovingly that's wrong? (laughs) Do you know that Christianity, see, people think this, this is what religion is, this is what, that, that God is up on this big mountain somewhere and there's all kinds of trails and paths to get to God. And no matter what path you take, as long as you're trying to get to God, you're okay. And so what that, that path might be Buddha, it might be Muhammad, it might be this, it might be that. But Christianity is the only religion in the world that God says, I'm up here and it is impossible for you to get to me. There's not a path. There's not a way. You can't get to me because my standard for you to come into my presence is 100% perfection. Pastor Ryan, that's not really that good of news because none of us qualify. None of us, we're not good enough. Exactly. Christianity is the only religion that God sent his son to where we were to create a path, to blaze a trail so that you and I could get to him. Jesus shed his blood, gave up his life, defeated hell, and he rose again victorious on that third day so that you and I could get to the Father. Christianity is the only religion in the world that offers that and that gives that. And nearly 60 million people believe that, eh, it doesn't really matter. It, 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 uh, it, it just... Just get there however you can get there. Do your best. Just try hard. Well, that's good, little Johnny. If you're, you know, in second grade trying to play softball or baseball or football, just try hard. That doesn't work in Christianity, does it? How many of you got tired of trying hard? Anyone? (laughs) Man, I got tired of trying hard. I gave up trying hard. That doesn't mean that Christianity is easy. Remember, it's simple, just not easy. There's work in it. And so... In this study that they did, they found that America is now a post-Christian nation versus a non-Christian. In a a non-Christian nation, a non-Christian nation would be a nation that hadn't really heard about Jesus, hadn't really heard about perhaps the gospel, that little bit that I just shared with you. That would be a non-Christian nation, but a a, a post-Christian nation is a nation in which the people were brought up with traditions and customs of Christianity, And it isn't that they don't believe, it's just that they don't believe it anymore. That they have taken the stories, they've taken what they've heard, and they've taken the the different teachings and and doctrines and things that they've been exposed to, and they've sort of put it on a shelf and said, that's kind of nice, but I'm not sure, I'm not really, really sure that I believe that. 
And I certainly don't believe it enough to reorganize my life around those principles. I don't realize it enough to actually, I don't believe it enough to actually change any of my living because I'm not sure it's relevant. And there are about 60 million people that are going past, you know, churches all over America who are either internally thinking, there isn't anything in that building that is relevant to my life. They have no answers for anything at all. What we are doing right now to them is foolishness. 60 million people who will never darken the doors of a church building. 60 million people who, unless they hear and receive, unless the gospel is presented to them in a way that they can appreciate, in a way that they can understand, in a way that makes sense to their life, and then given an opportunity to respond, 60 million people will split hell wide open. Some of them are your family. Some of them are your friends and your coworkers. Some of you know people who are like that, that used to believe, but they don't anymore. They've perhaps moved on from those kinds of things. And so we have some choices. As a church, as a people, we have some choices. We can, you know, lament the good old days, how it used to be when. We can call ourselves the, you know, <laughs> we're the, we're the, the uh, uh, I wanted to say the frozen chosen, but we're not the frozen chosen. That's what some people sometimes call us. You know, we're the remnant. We're the remnant people, and us and us alone are the only ones who really have faith, and we're going to kind of, you know, circle our forces, and we're just going to kind of be together and huddle down until Jesus comes back. Or we can adjust our sails. Or we can adjust our sails and catch the wind of what God is doing. Adjust our sails to embrace what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in and through us. Again, we're not asking or waiting for a move of God. I'm praying that we become the move of God. I'm asking God to help us to do those things. And so there's 50, million, 50 to 60 million people in America who think what we're doing right now is a waste of their time. It's a waste of anything relevant in their life. And, and we're reminded of the scripture. Jesus said this in, in John chapter 4 and verse 35. Do you not say... There are still four months, and then comes the harvest. What's the harvest? Work. <laughs> Remember, the harvest is work. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for the harvest. Now, I, I want you to picture something, and I, I think in pictures. I, and I, when I pray before a service on a Sunday morning, one of the things I pray is, Heavenly Father, show me. Help me see. Open the eyes of my understanding. Because when I see something, I can explain it better. And that's, that's just how I, I kind of live. That's how I work. And, and, and one of the things I was thinking about in relation to this scripture, and I know that the imagery often is of a harvest of wheat. And when Jesus said that the fields are white unto harvest, there, there's an image that we get in our thinking of this wheat field. And, and I I see big harvesters, combines that are just coming in, big, and they're doing whatever harvesters do. But, <laughs> Nick, yeah, I build them things. Nick, Nick can tell you way more than you want to know about the harvesters. All right, like how far off the ground they get, all that stuff, and it's amazing. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> but <laughs> what if, what if, that harvest that we've got all of the equipment to harvest wheat with, what if that harvest was tomatoes? And if we would try to harvest the tomatoes like we harvest wheat, what would we have? We'd have a ketchup, yeah. We'd have a mess, wouldn't we? 
we'd have a mess. Because the solution to the wheat harvest is not a solution to the tomato harvest. And what worked before in a nation that was not a post-Christian nation may not work today. That means it's up to us to change. Message doesn't change. The gospel doesn't change. Methods have to change. Do we see that this morning? Methods have to change. Very rarely can you answer today's questions with yesterday's answers. And, and really, if we have, and I believe we do have the answer for much of the world, don't we? Don't you believe that Jesus is really an answer? I mean, have, has anybody found more peace or joy in their life or, 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 or you know, the, the peace that comes because we know that we're forgiven, we're part of the family of God, we're encouraged? Anyone? But that, that study says 60 million people aren't going to come in here to find the answer. Hello? 60 million people. will Even if we did have every answer to every question and every problem of life, and I believe we do, but even if we did and it was right here, 60 million people aren't going to come into the church to hear it. Guess what that means? It means we've got to go out there. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the doors. Release all the people. Let, let what's on the inside of the church building get to the outside. Let those of us that are on the inside get to the outside where the answers need to confront some of the questions and problems of life. If you've been born again for more than five minutes, you know more than a lot of the world. And you have answers for questions that many of them are asking. And so I, I want to present perhaps a new strategy that really isn't new. Because our assumption has been that when people are desperate enough or, or whatever happens in their life, then they're going to walk into the doors of a church or because we have a nice building or we have a this or we have a that, people are going to, guess what? They're not coming. They're not coming. And again, we can keep preaching to the choir. We can keep doing what we do and we'll be happy and woohoo. But I hope you understand that God's heart beats bigger than that. God didn't die so that we could come into a building. Jesus didn't die so we can come into a building and have a good time. He died for the world. And as long as there's one or two people that still don't know who Jesus is and the grace and the love and the peace that he offers, we should care about what God cares about. Amen? <clears throat> so, <laughs> here's a couple of things that I'm going to ask you to do. And I've, I, this is the second time that I've presented this to you. Some of this, it will be the first time. But... When Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look, the fields are white unto harvest, what does that look? We're saying, yeah, we still got time. There's still four more months. We, you know, there's still, there's still time. Jesus says, if you look, everybody say look. look. If you will look, you will see a field that is ripe. It is ready to be harvested. But what do we look for? Let me give you three things real, real quickly. These are not real deep. They're not real profound. But when you are talking to friends, coworkers, family members, whoever it might be, and you hear somebody say something along this line that something in their life is not going well. Has anybody ever had something not go well? 
Ever had a portion or a chapter or a season of life where things aren't going well? Maybe it was a marriage, maybe it was a kid, maybe it was a, a, a relationship or an illness, something like that. Things weren't going well. Let me ask another question. How many of you, when things weren't going well, you found out that Jesus, whether it was healing in your body or in a relationship, whatever it might be, that Jesus made the difference? So that should be a cue for you and me. When we hear somebody say something to the effect that things aren't going well for them, you and I can use that as an opportunity to engage somebody and say, you know what, there was a season in my life that it wasn't going well, but guess what? I know this is going to sound really, really weird, but man, at my church I heard something, or in my small group I heard something, or I was, I was reading, or I was praying, and God said, or God did something in my life. That'll make a difference. So when you hear it's not going well, secondly, if you hear somebody say that they're not prepared for something, how many of you have had children? How many of you realize in that first child that perhaps you weren't quite as prepared as you thought you were? I know one couple that took their brand new baby daughter back to the hospital and said, can you please watch her for a while so we can sleep? They thought that would work. They found out 18 years later, sleep ain't coming. <laughs> Sometimes we're not prepared for an event for life, and, and, and kids are a big one. Newly married is a big one. A move is a big one. Not prepared for something. Man, you can tell, hey, you know, our church does a great job with kids, and your kids are going to hear something that will help them for the rest of their life. And if nothing else, you can invite your friends to bring their kids, and they'll find kids that are worse than their kids, and they'll actually feel good about being a parent again anyway. So now, I don't know if that will happen or not. And so, again, <laughs> again, if it's not going well, or if you're not prepared for something, or number three, when somebody says, I, I just don't go to church, or I used to go to church, but I don't anymore. Let me ask you a question. Why do you come? Why do you come? So. Some of you are here because there's an encouragement that's here. That's great. Some of you because you want to hear more about God. You want to know more about God. Some of you are here because your friends are here. All of those are good reasons that resonate with another person. All of those are good reasons that are valuable. Now, if you're here because somebody forced you to be here, shh, don't say that. <laughs> Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14, you. Look at the person next to you. Say he's talking about you here. You're the light of the world. Let that sink in for a moment. I'm the light of the world. This is my responsibility, my commission, if you will, that the Lord Jesus Christ has given to me. I'm a light. He said, you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. I wonder sometimes, could this be the basket? Could this building, could this building be the thing that, you know, we used to sing the little song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Could this be the bushel? Could this be the covering that stops our light from shining? It's bright in here. But what good is the brightness in here if it never shines out there? Hello? What good is it to be the light of the world if we're going to hide it inside the four walls of the church? And I know that our culture is saying, keep it inside. Don't be sharing it somewhere. Don't be talking about it somewhere. You can believe what you want to believe, but don't you dare tell me about it. 
So this is a question that I'm asking, and I've been praying about the last couple of years, and perhaps you've heard me say it, when I'm engaging pastors in in whatever way that I am, I ask this question because I want them thinking about this as well. How do we preach the gospel to people who don't believe the Bible? I'm going to say it again. How do we preach the gospel to people who don't believe in the Bible? There are a majority of people who do not believe. It used to be a day. In fact, when we started this church 28 years ago, I could say to people, the Bible says. And I could show them where the Bible said something, whatever it was that I was talking about. I could show them. And people would say, wow, I never knew that before. I should maybe make a change. I should maybe do something. Because after all, God's word says, the Bible says. Do you realize this morning that today in 2019, that carries very little weight. People will say, I I can say, the Bible says, and you know what people say? So? So what? So what? So how do we preach the gospel to people who don't believe in the Bible? We let our light shine. We let our lights shine. Open the doors and see the people. Let what's on the inside be lived on the outside. Let what's on the inside be lived on the outside. The book of Acts is the book of Acts because the early church acted. The book of Acts is a great example of our lives. Again, he says uh, in verse 14, you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill will not be hidden. A city that's on the hill will not be hidden. A city that is Inside or a church that is inside out, a city of believers on the outside will cause much light to be seen everywhere else. You know, a, a couple of years ago, we launched what we call Joy to the World and a lot of things, and, and really a lot of what this last year has been is, I believe, a result of several things, us praying and and. and Particularly, pray. How do we? How do we get outside the four walls of this? How do we bring this wonderful message of life and love and joy to a world that so desperately needs? How do we do that? And some of the things that have happened over the last year or last couple of years through Joy to the World with, with you know, reaching out to the sheriff's department and, and, and blessing other churches, and then uh, uh, you know, our serve day in July, and 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 coming up next week, Joy by George. I'm kind of excited about that. In fact, I'm re- don't come to church. Don't come to this building next week because the church will be inside out. The inside is going to be on the outside. I have I have high expectations spiritually for what God is going to do. I don't know what to think about what in the natural. I don't know what to think. I just don't know what to think. We're going to be in the middle of a park, in the middle of a city, but where else should the church be? Right in the middle of the park, right in the middle of a city. I think it's a great place for the church. To be, I, I, I want to read uh, an email that I got from a family, and uh, there's a couple of pictures that go with it. This is from uh, Carolyn, and uh, she said this. Carolyn Pogacic said this. She said, our family has a motto. They, they took their kids. She took her kids to uh, SCSU, St. Cloud State, and, and, uh, for the move day. And uh, she said, our family has a motto, more is caught than taught. And I wanted the kids to see our hands and feet be more like Jesus. So we gathered 40 bottles of water, 28 Gatorades, ASAP, always say a prayer, bracelets, or ASAP bracelets, always say a prayer, a cooler, a wagon, and our willing hearts and headed towards the campus of SCSU. The three of us prayed before we left the car that we could invite someone to come and see our church and meet Jesus for the first time. 
We started off approaching college kids and parents, welcoming them to St. Cloud and offering cold drinks. Many of the kids couldn't even believe it was free. We then invited them to attend Joy by George in our church in person or online. As I explained Joy by George and all of its happenings, Mason, their son, chimed in and said, and fun, Mom. We have so much fun at Joy. It only lasted 30 minutes before we were out of drinks, but the kids each said that they had fun and wanted to do it again soon. I prayed for each of those 68 kids and parents that night that God would stir something in them and lead them to him and to joy. I think that's pretty cool. Now, we can't, we can't connect dots looking forward. We can only connect them looking backwards and see the plan, the path, and the hand of God working and moving. Uh, a few months ago, we had a family. We mentioned this, a family that donated uh, uh, some, some cash, some a significant portion of the cash, so we could buy two vans. And uh, that was a blessing. That was our, that's our legacy team that, that, that you know, just, just helps to provide things that are beyond our budget or beyond what we can, you know, what we could reasonably afford to, to spend at this particular moment. And so there was a need for a couple of vans, and, and uh, Pastor John was like, you know what, let's, let's take those vans and let's get some van drivers, and we're going to go out to SESU and just invite students. And, and because... Uh, of that gift, we're able to actually use a van that won't break down, and we'll have air conditioning in the summer and heat in the winter, which is actually really kind of neat and awesome, and uh, because we, we had like a winter van and a summer van, and... Uh, <laughs> And between the, two, between the two vans, we had like about a quarter of a van. So anyway, we used those puppies as much as we possibly, possibly could. So Joy Christian Center, we've done a great, I believe we've done a great, great job at one of the attitudes as people walk through the doors of this church, we're glad you're here because we really are. And you are a loving church. You are a joyful church. You are a welcoming church. But there's 60 million people who will never know how loving, how joyful, and how welcoming you are. Because they ain't coming here. I said, they are not coming here. And some of you know family. Some of you know parents whose kids used to believe, but they're heartbroken today because they don't. And you know other people who never heard how good God is. And when you might say that God is love or that God is good, they look at you and go, huh? Well, if God is so good, then why did this happen? How come that's going on? So what's our response? <laughs> Again, verse 16, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I think that all of you would believe in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I think. And it's the third person of the Godhead. We, we kind of get God a little bit. We understand Jesus probably more because he's spoken of much, much more. But the Holy Spirit's kind of a mystery. And yet the Bible says that God has given to each believer the Holy Spirit. He resides on the inside of us. And his job is to lead us. His job is to guide us. His job is to teach us. His job is to show us. Every single day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, the Holy Spirit is in your life just sort of waiting. And unfortunately, what we've done is we've kind of, you know, okay, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, got a place for you right over here. And if I get into trouble, I'll call you. 
But for now, I'm just going to kind of do what I think I should do, and I'll just keep living my life the way that I should live my life. And we've relegated the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to, to, to a bench position in our life. And Jesus says, he's your helper. Jesus says, when I'm gone, he's going to help you. He's going to teach you. He's going to lead you. When you don't know what to do, he's there on the inside of you to tell you what to do and be alert for. So I want to encourage you this week, and really for the rest of your life, but that's too big of a goal. So how about just this week, the next seven days, from this Sunday to next Sunday, take a few moments in the morning or sometime when you're driving and just say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I thank you for the Holy Spirit in my life. And I ask you to help me. I ask you to open up my eyes for opportunities to do good. I ask you to open up my ears to listen for one of the three knots. And then, Heavenly Father, thank you that the Holy Spirit gives me boldness. So that when I see or when I hear, I can do. I can say. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say when you don't know what to say. It's like the vision, vision headlights on a car. Take that step. Start, start speaking. You will be amazed what God will, what will come out of your mouth. It's like, I didn't know. They're like, man, you're, people are like, man, you're smart. They're like, I didn't even know I knew that. I must have heard it somewhere, but that's the Holy Spirit bringing something back to your remembrance. That's the Holy Spirit being the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And, as, and so I'm going to ask you to, if you would, please stand with me this morning, and we're going to pray. And uh, um, I also want to remind you that the, the uh, <clears throat> prayer team will be available after the service, and um, they will be there praying uh, any needs that you might have this morning. So with your heads bowed and with your eyes closed this morning, thank you again for being with us this morning. Father, we come to you this morning in the name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you for your grace in our life. I thank you for your, your love for us. But Father, we believe there's so much more. That your grace isn't just for Christians. Your love and your mercy isn't just for your children, but it is for the world. And so, Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that you help us that know your grace and your mercy and your love and your life. That you help us see the needy, the broken, the lost. That you help us to hear the knots of life. And that you would grant to us boldness so that when we see or when we hear that we would reach out, that we would speak out, that we would be unafraid and unashamed and that we would be bold. And with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, nobody looking around, if you are here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are trying to be good enough and you're weary and tired of not being good enough. Jesus says, you don't have to do that because I've already paid the price. Maybe you've been asking, why would a good God send good people to hell? I'm going to tell you this morning that God doesn't send people to hell. Hell is a place that people go to to pay for their sin. But Jesus already went there. Jesus already picked up the tab. He already paid the price. So you don't have to. So if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior... Maybe you have a past that you're ashamed of and a future that you're afraid of. But right now in this moment, you're ready to lay 
it all down and surrender to him and say, Jesus, I want you to make a difference in my life. I want you to save me. If that's you, would you just hold your hand up real high? Thank you. Anyone else this morning? Just hold your hand up real high just for a couple of moments. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Would you please pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I realize today I need a Savior. Jesus, I accept you today. I thank you for the price you paid for me. I thank you that my sin is forgiven. I'm a child of God. I believe today Jesus is my Savior. Father, I thank you for these that have prayed this prayer for the first time. And I thank you that you're beginning a good work on the inside, that you've removed their sin as far as the east is from the west. And I pray they'd remember it no more, that it would not be a shackle that would hold them back. But Heavenly Father, your grace would propel them forward. And I thank you for that in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right, one more time. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. We are about to open the doors and release all the people. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.